Well, this is Palm Sunday and it's Holy Week and my message today is entitled The Scarlet Thread. This day, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years or more ago, it launched the final week in the life and ministry of Jesus and his disciples before he was crucified. It was a week of celebration and confusion, wonder, and for sure, uncertainty. It was a week where some disciples would be offended. A week when one disciple, Judas, would take matters into his own hands. And another disciple, Peter, would do what he never imagined could happen, and that is deny that he ever knew Jesus. That all happened this week. It was a week where the world was turned upside down. It all began with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He was riding on a donkey and crowds of people were laying palm branches in his path as he went. People were excited. They glorified Jesus as the coming Messiah. And this is why it's called Palm Sunday. Well, then Monday comes and Jesus confronts the money lenders in the temple. If you know anything about the Bible, he goes in, he was outraged, he saw what they were doing, and he began to overthrow their tables and began to declare his house would be called a house of prayer. What they were doing was selling sacrificial animals at a higher price with, a, with a, an incentive on it to buy from them instead of bringing their own. They were, they were making profit off of bringing animal sacrifices into the temple, which people did in those days as an offering to the Lord. And Jesus said, my house will not be a den of thieves. It shall be called the house of prayer. So if he, if he made friends yesterday, he might've lost some of them today. That was Monday. Tuesday rolls around and a woman comes to Jesus with a very expensive jar of perfume oil. They say it was about a year's wages worth and she pours it out over Jesus. And he compliments her and he says something. He says that she had come to anoint his body for burial. Something that most of the crowd and the disciples didn't understand. They didn't know what he was talking about. What do you mean? And it left them puzzled. Wednesday, Jesus just disappears. We don't know where he was. Nothing's recorded of his whereabouts. As I thought about that, maybe Jesus was in deep contemplation of what was about to happen. Thursday, we pick up the scene in the book of Matthew, and it's where I want to pick up today. Matthew 26 reads like this. Thank you for standing at the reading of God's word. 
Matthew 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat because this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of it. Drink all of it, every one of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen to the reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, so in a week filled with emotional ups and downs, this seemingly out of context statement must have had the disciples wondering, what, what's Jesus talking about? What did he mean when he said, this is my blood and this is my body, it's part of the covenant and it's, what, what is he talking about? Jesus and his disciples are celebrating the Passover feast, which was one of three major festivities remembered every year in Israel. Passover was a celebration of Israel's deliverance from 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And God was setting them free under the leadership of Moses. A death angel is going to come to the city and they are instructed to kill a Passover lamb and dip a hyssop branch in the blood of that lamb and put it on the door lintels and, and doorposts of their homes. And when God sees the blood, he said the death angel will pass over the house. It was one of the judgments on the people of Israel for keeping God's people in bondage. This blood being applied to their door was going to be their ticket and their passage so that when the death angel came through the land of Egypt, those who did not have the blood applied to their door, to their home, the death angel took the firstborn and took its life. God said, if you have the blood applied to your door through the blood of a slain lamb, then pass over. The death angel will pass over your home. Passover is a lamb was slain, blood was shed, and salvation came. A, lame, a lamb was slain, blood was shed, and salvation came. Came. I'm going to say that again. A lamb was slain, blood was shed, and salvation came. Jesus broke the bread and he said, eat, it's my body. He took the cup and said, drink, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What Jesus is doing, everyone, is he's connecting the shedding of blood of those lambs with the blood that he's about to shed from his own body over the next 24 hours. And it's going to be for the salvation and a ransom for their sin. 
the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said. When John saw Jesus walking as he began his ministry, John has been preaching a, a message of repentance that there's coming one after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He said he, when he saw him, he said, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. It was a man. His name was Jesus who was all God and all man. And John said, here he comes, the Lamb of God who's coming to take away the sin of the world. And people didn't fully comprehend all of that. And what's important for us to know is that this moment in time is not a random disconnect or afterthought in the mind of God. This time when God told them to put the blood of the lamb on the door, way back in the Old Testament to deliver the people of God from slavery, it was not a random thought, but there was a plan. What is about to transpire at the cross is the culmination of a divine plan that God designed from the beginning of time. First Peter chapter one says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. And if you don't know, I want you to know, you know that God paid a ransom to save you. And if you don't know, everyone under the sound of my voice, you need to know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. The Bible is not just a book of rules. It's not a set of bylaws or a constitution, but it is 66 books, 1,189 chapters, over 31,000 verses, all telling the story of God and his love for mankind and his plan for redemption. It is a description of a scarlet thread that started when mankind began and it is the joining together of many seemingly disconnected stories scattered throughout the scriptures of the Old Testament, bringing them all together to not only make sense, but to show in a majestic way the unfolding plan of God's salvation for all humanity. The scarlet thread begins in the Garden of Eden and it culminates with a decision in the Garden of Gethsemane that plays out on Calvary's cross. One writer said, cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. The atonement the atonement is the scarlet thread running through every page of the entire Bible. The blood of Jesus stains every book, every page, every word, every story, every hero, every moment, all pointing in one direction to the cross. 
themes systematically come together. Prophetic words lining up. Promises being fulfilled. The life story of the Bible's heroes and champions and unknowns are all speaking and pointing in the same direction. And that is to the cross of Calvary. The cross is God's end game, his final battle against sin, against the wages of sin, against the bondage of sin, against the consequences of sin, and ultimately against the judgment of sin. We ought to thank God for the blood and the cross that he bore that took our sin. Jesus was God's prepared lamb that was slain from the beginning of the foundation of the world. John wrote in chapter one, he said, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. <laughs> you can't save yourself. You might be smart, you might be wealthy, you might be broken. I don't know where you come from today, but you can't save yourself if it wasn't for the scarlet thread of the blood of Jesus. He gave his own son, and that blood is what purchased our salvation. The scarlet thread of redemption is a revelation of God's plan woven throughout the pages of the Bible narrative. Scarlet Thread begins in the Garden of Eden and culminates with a decision in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Scarlet Thread started when Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. And then they felt the shame and the guilt. And it's interesting that they discovered they were naked and afraid. They were naked. Who told them they were naked? So they tried to cover their sin, their nakedness, their exposure. And the Bible says they took fig leaves. Listen to this. And they somehow, the first seamstress made a little garment, kind of, you know, It's in the Bible. They made leaves to cover their nakedness that was now seen because of their sin. The scarlet thread is reflected in Genesis chapter three, verse 21 at the beginning of the Bible because the Bible says, God made clothing from an animal's skins for Adam and his wife Eve. What are you saying? Blood was shed. Something had to die to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. And the scarlet thread of shed blood began. The scarlet thread is again reflected in the offering that Abel gave to God, which was a lamb sacrificed blood was shed. Abraham experienced the th scarlet thread when a ram was provided. Blood was shed as a sacrifice instead of him having to offer his son Isaac. The scarlet thread is seen in the many sacrifices recorded throughout the book of Leviticus. I read through that this week. It is 
It's overwhelming the amount of blood that is shed from animals to try and redeem and pay ransom for the sins of humanity. God had bloodshed for every situation and every circumstance. The scarlet thread continued. And then the scarlet thread is found when Moses is instructed to put the blood on the doorpost that I've been talking about. A lamb had to die for Israel to be delivered from the death angel. Through Rahab's scarlet rope, we see the scarlet thread and her house is spared. If you don't know all these stories, go back and listen to this sermon and you'll read all of this. She had spared the spies that went in to spy out the land. Rahab was a harlot and she spared the spies. She took them into their house when the, they were trying to come and kill them and she let them down over the wall. Her house was built on the wall, the scripture says, and she let the spies down, God's children down secretly and through this scarlet thread, a red rope, and they told her, she said, spare me when you come to take the city. And they said, if we see the red rope, they'll know. Put the red rope outside your window, the scarlet thread. And when the army comes, they'll know you're the one that saved us. And they'll spare your life. Again, in Hebrews 9, blood is repeatedly mentioned. Verse 11 says it this way. So Christ Jesus has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come, that with his own blood... With his own blood, Jesus has now become our high priest. You don't have to go to a person to take your sin to God because of Jesus. You can go directly to the Father because of Jesus. We now have access directly to God because Jesus became our high priest. And with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place of God once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls, I'm reading it, could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial purposes only. But just think of how much more the blood of Jesus will purify. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Just think if a, if a blood of an animal will cause your sin to be moved, it would, not, it would not wipe it away. It wouldn't ransom you. But the blood sacrifice was made, blood was shed to cover it. It was temporary. It was only for a moment. And it happened in the Garden of Eden and it's come through time. And the book of, of Hebrews, the writer says, just think, if the blood of bulls and goats could cleanse somebody from their sin for a moment, for a year, for a season, it would cover you. Think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for the power of the eternal spirit, Christ. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. I'm still reading. That's why he is the one. That's why he is the one. That's why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So let all, everybody say that's me. So let all, everybody say that's me. 
so that all can receive the internal inheritance God has promised us for Christ died to set us free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant we've got a better covenant that came at the beginning of time Jesus came and died and created a new covenant so that we now can come before God our sin covered by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony we can stand before God clean even though we have committed so much wrong this is the beginning of holy week and this is what was happening the week before Easter Jesus did not bleed for himself he bled for us Jesus didn't bleed for his sin he bled for my sin It's a beautiful exchange. It is the redemption of all mankind wrapped up, wrapped up in one act of obedience. Can we just stop and thank Jesus for his sacrifice and for his blood right now? Come on. That covered our sin and set us free. It gives us an eternal inheritance. Come on, somebody. We ought to thank Jesus for the blood that he shed for us. For me, for you, come on, for your children, for your children. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, no telling what your life would become. But because of the saving blood, redemptive blood of Jesus. <laughs> Woo! He who had no sin took on our sin. So we who were full of sin could be free of sin. Isaiah said, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The scarlet thread of redemption that began its flow in the Garden of Eden and weaved its way throughout the Old Testament is about to flow again in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has led his disciples to Gethsemane to pray. And they're so clueless of what is about to take place. Sometimes you know things that your children can't understand and you just have to carry it because you can't explain it to them. There's some things you go through that nobody else really understands what you've walked through or the pain you feel, the loneliness, the abandonment, the hopelessness, the struggle. You just have to carry it. And I think that might have been how Jesus is feeling as he's brought his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he takes Peter, James, and John and he says, I want you to go a little farther in the garden. The rest of you stay here and pray. And then Peter, James, and John, come with me a little farther and let's pray. And it's in the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, under such duress, as he prays, are you listening to me? As he prays, 
Instead of sweat only pouring from his brow and his body, doctors tell us your blood vessels under so much duress can actually burst. And through the pores of his skin, blood began to flow with sweat drops off of his body as he was praying for God to take this weight of my sin and yours off of him. In the garden of Gethsemane, when it all started at the beginning in Edom, Adam and Eve made a choice that plunged mankind into the curse of sin and death. And now Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane is given a choice that would bring the whole world into the promise of eternal life. The vision had been set. Every verse in the Old Testament narrative leading us to this moment and now here in the Garden of Gethsemane with just one decision from Jesus. One lonely, pressured decision will cause that blood of the scarlet thread of redemption to flow for one last time. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. Redemptive statements made every time the Lamb of God bled. The scarlet thread of redemption weaving its way to the face of Jesus. Blood vessels exploding from overwhelming pressure. From oppression, trauma, anxiety, worry, inner conflict. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Bruised by the intense beating of the Roman soldiers, his body bleeding under the surface of his skin. Isaiah prophesied he would be bruised for our iniquities, his bruising our freedom, courage to overcome the hidden areas of life, overcoming guilt and fear and shame. With one command from the official, Jesus' body was whipped and scourged, beaten within the inches of his life. The force of the Roman scourge ripping through Jesus' body, his flesh torn to pieces. By his stripes, we are healed. Sickness and disease have no right to exist in the body of a believer. Healing is our portion. Soldiers mock Jesus with a crown of thorns, prepared for the king. Large Judean thorns cutting through the forehead, blood flowing from the seat of the soul. Redemption being made available, peace to your thoughts of life, healing to your emotions, strength to your will, overcoming confusion and oppression. Not intimidated by others stronger than ungodly and selfish desire. As the prophet said, his soul an offering to our sin. They tore Jesus' garments. They reopened his wounds. Oppressed and afflicted, he doesn't open his mouth. 
led like a lamb to the slaughter. They took nails, large Roman nails, and hammered them through the hands of Jesus. His blood cleansing us from our sin, actions, habits, lifestyle, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. With his arms stretched wide, his nail-pierced hands, Jesus made a statement. Salvation is available for anyone and everyone. They beat the nails into the feet of Jesus. The love of God has no limits. It will reach you no matter where you have been or how you have lived. There is no action that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. There is no person that Jesus cannot redeem. It was said, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And again, I believe every time Jesus bled, he made a statement, fulfilled a promise, purchased our freedom, laid calm for our healing, the scarlet thread of redemption, and made its way to Calvary. The soldiers thrust the spear beneath the rib cage. He bled for the relational healing. Only a friend can get close enough to pierce your side and get close enough to wound your heart. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with their grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus bled for you. His blood was shed for our sins. He had no sin. Born of a virgin, his father was God. Raised by a stepdad who had a brother named James, who at the age of 33 laid down his life as a ransom for us so that everyone under the sound of my voice could inherit eternal life. Well, this, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes, everyone who believes, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John wrote in Revelation that Jesus Christ is faithful and he loved us and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. The scarlet thread of Jesus' blood can wash your sins clean right now, today. Just because he shed that blood just over 2,000 years ago 
doesn't mean it's applied to your life until you believe in him and you accept him. He's already paid for it. Now he's asking you if you want to receive eternal life, that sacrifice, that gruesome, horrible, painful, agonizing sacrifice that Jesus went through to pay for your sin and mine was not just some random act, but God planned it from the beginning when that first animal had to die so that the skins could cover Adam and Eve. Blood had to be shed so that a covering could come. And Jesus was that final sacrifice. God's own son sent from heaven to die for us so we could go to heaven and be with God forever. Do you know him as Jesus, Lord of your life? Would you bow your heads with me in this room? A moment of reflection, a moment of pondering. Am I ready for eternal life? Am I ready? for what happens beyond the grave? The answer to that question is simple. If you invite Jesus to be the Lord and leader and savior of your life, what he did on the cross becomes applied to you. And the blood he shed already covers your sin for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says we all were the product of Adam and Eve's wrong and their sin and that genetic DNA has passed from the beginning of time to you. You say, but I'm a good person. Goodness doesn't get it to heaven. It's grace that gets it to heaven. It's the righteousness of God. Nobody is right but God. We are sinful in nature, in thought, in deed. But because of the blood of Jesus, he's redeemed you. Would you like to invite him into your life today and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. Take this sin out of my life. And I accept what you did for me on the cross. You died for me. Every head bowed just for a moment. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. Before I do, I want to know. I would like for you to make a public decision right here with our heads bowed so that I know who I'm praying with. If you're looking and watching online, you can click right there on your screen. We could pray for you in this room right now. If you're not sure if you're ready to go to heaven, if your life ended today, you say, well, I'm going to live forever. Maybe not. I got a text this morning from someone who passed away, the wife of someone who passed away last night. Young man, you don't know when your days are numbered. You don't know when the time's going to be. He said, Pastor, you're pressuring me. You bet I am. I want you to go to heaven. Jesus didn't die just in vain. He died for you. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. We buried a 21-year-old this week that had been connected in a part of our church. You don't know when your life is going to end. Pastor, that's heavy. Yes, what Jesus did was heavy. I'm not playing games. This is Holy Week, but it's more than that. It is you facing eternity. Are you ready? Are you ready? You can pray a simple prayer. I'm going to lead us all 
in that prayer. We're all going to pray it together, but heads bowed right now. I want to know if you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make sure I'm ready to go to heaven. Would you pray that prayer over me and with me? Would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lift that hand. I want to go to heaven. I want to accept Jesus' blood on the cross. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young person. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Church, are you praying for people around you right now? Thank you. Are you praying for those online right now? Just be praying. God knows who he's speaking to. We don't know. Just slip that hand up. Slip that hand up. Anyone else? Just a moment more. Anyone else? Just a moment more. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can put those hands down now. And I want us all to pray this prayer together. Would you pray it with me, church? Say this. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry I've offended you. But I accept what you did on the cross to pay for my sin. And I receive you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I'll do my best to honor you and to follow you. And I thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sin and saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, come here, give a big ovation. I want to welcome all of you that pray.